Hello and welcome to another episode of Navigating Neurodivergence. It's a solo episode today and I kind of wanted to explore kind of the personal journey I've had and the, the diagnosis I had. Yeah, I've given little bits and pieces of it um, throughout many episodes of the podcast, but this this is something I kind of wanted to bring up because it, it shows that the diagnosis of you know ADHD for me isn't just a it wasn't just you know oh you know I I feel weird and so I'm going to get diagnosed it's it nothing like that um, I think for me the big thing was getting to the point where I needed to go and get a diagnosis uh, like to you know work with you know either work with a, a psychiatrist or um, or even talk to my doctor about it. But for me, it's strange going all the way back to my childhood and thinking about everything that I had gone through in my life. I was not really privy that I had my ADHD. That, that uh, you know, it's <laughs> like, it, it's strange. Like, most people go, oh, yeah, you know, I, I never thought anything was different. And that's – I was the same way. I thought everyone was having the same struggles that I was having. I thought everyone was having uh, the the issues that I, that I had. And it was not really a, a thing that I worried about. Like it's um, it's so strange. Like, okay, let, let's really think back to my childhood. Uh, I went to school and uh, I did okay. I had some issues here and there. I had gone into special ed classes for a speech impediment, but I was also uh, an advanced reader, um, advanced uh, English classes, advanced, basically advanced everything but math. <laughs> math was always an issue for me because of uh, mild form of dyscalculia. Um, but there was so many different little flags or, you know, red flags, checkboxes, whatever you want to call them. Um, so for, for some people, everyone knows like, oh, uh, in, for, we'll start with my diagnosis, which happened at age 39. And, you know, I've talked about it, it's severe, inattentive. Uh, ADHD with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, I think the more I've researched ADHD, it, like generalized anxiety disorder seems to go hand in hand with ADHD. It's um, just seems to be there. But with ADHD, there, there are two types. You have hyperactive um, and impulsive, and then you have a hybrid, you know, kind of like combined type. Um, most people are combined, but some people lean heavily towards one or the other. For me, inattentive, I kind of like checked all the boxes. And they, there's, um, you know, in my book, Tools for Nav Navigating Neurodivergence, I kind of go over the, the nine symptoms for inattentive. Uh, so you have like this checklist. It's like uh, failing to pay attention to details, making careless mista mistakes in everything you do. Yeah, big check mark there. Uh, difficulty paying attention in tasks or even in play. I, yes. Um, which is, is, is interesting because 
that's something that I kind of noticed as I got older, uh, especially after my diagnosis. During play, I could be playing a game and I would kind of just veer off in my train of thought and go off and do something else. Like if there's a game that has missions in it, I might do side missions or just wander aimlessly. Or sometimes I'll just zone out and not even pay attention. I'll, I'm not even playing and I'll just be sitting there. There's been many times that's happened. So that was always something that kind of, it kind of came up in my life. But uh, also zoning out, <laughs> zoning out uh, when somebody is speaking directly to me. If you're a friend of mine, if you know me, you've experienced this and I apologize. Uh, it's just, it's part of my wiring. I am sorry. Um, uh, failing to follow instructions or finish tasks. That's something I've dealt with and struggled with my entire life. Um, organization difficulties in tasks and activities. So basically with tasks and activities, what that is saying is things uh, like task prioritization is very hard, nigh impossible to do. And I say that because it's not so much that like, oh, I don't know how to do it or I can't do it. It's it's more I can't do it because I don't understand it. To me, doing something like cleaning my office has the same urgency as doing the dishes, as taking out the trash, as going to the bathroom, as taking a shower. Like they're, they're all the same level. Um, granted, if like the house is on fire, that's becomes a priority. I'm not going to ignore that. Uh, thankfully I'm not that I might have severe inattentive ADHD, but it's not that severe that I don't recognize that the house being on fire is a higher priority, <laughs> higher priority than, you know, organizing my office. But, um, but yeah, task prioritization is a huge one. Um, have it, taken a long time to kind of get to a place where I start understanding the priorities. It, it's not, it wasn't easy. <laughs> As I always say, it's, uh, it's never easy until it is. Um, uh, losing things f for specific tasks, you know, constantly. And so, and that could be a, a number of things. So, uh, I'm going to go vacuum and I can't find the vacuum, even though, like I know where the vacuum is, I might not be able to find it. It just happens that way. Uh, and like, oh, I have this specific thing that I use to, uh, here's a, a good example. I have a specific thing that I use to clean my computer. I have all my computer equipment stuff in one place. However, when I go to take apart my computer, clean it, re, you know, reapply thermal paste to make sure all the thermal pads are good. Um, I can't find half the tools, even though I know I keep them all together all the time. But when I go to do the task, I can't find them. It's just, uh, it's, it's frustrating, but that's about, that's just how it happens for me. Um, easily distracted by extraneous stimuli. Yeah. I lift that exactly from my book because I want to express how important this is when I sit there and I tell people like, please, could you turn off the radio or could you turn off the TV while we're talking or while we're doing something or while you're trying to talk to me? Because what will happen is I can't, 
no matter how zen I get, no matter how present I get, no matter how in tune with myself I get over all these years, what happens to me is um, the noise and sound and flashing <laughs> colors on the screen, um, it's going to win. It will always win. So people sit there and try to have a, a important conversation with me and I will tell them to stop. And especially if, if people, well, if people like when my wife comes, walks up to me and I'm like working at my computer, what I have to do is if I have music or a video playing, that would be like my background, like sound to, to work with, I have to stop it. Because that sound is different than a sound that I would need to talk to people. <laughs> I focus on that sound so I can just, so I get out of my own way to do work, whether it's writing, uh, whether it's uh, editing photos, whether it's doing website stuff or social media stuff. Like uh, uh, that sound is, is there to assist with that. I can't use that sound to take in information though, because if that sound is there or if the YouTube video is playing and somebody comes down and says, hey, do you want to go do something later? Uh, here's what we're going to do. And this is when we're going to do it. I'll look at them and I'll nod. And, um, the second they turn around to leave, uh, I have forgotten all of that because I couldn't, I couldn't fixate on it. It, it just, the, the stimuli just from being in that zone, is still an effect. So it, Generally, when people come to talk to me, um, you know, if I'm down in my office, you know, my wife comes down to talk to me, I stop my music, I stop my videos, and I turn around, look away from the screens, and look directly at her. Because doing that will let me actually focus and, and listen to her. And then, of course, I have little additional tools. I'll have a little notepad to write down important things, etc. Um, further down this checklist, you have... Uh, yeah, being forgetful uh, with daily activities and while in daily activities too. And that, that's a twofold thing. I could be, um, because I don't have interest in it, but I just, you know, it's something that has to be done, but I don't like doing it. Uh, and people are like, well, you're just cutting corners. And no, um, because it might be something that is very simple. It's like one, two, three. It's like there's three steps to this, and I know there's three steps to this, but somehow I forget step two. Um, a good quite a, a good parallel is in the morning. Uh, I I'm in the myths of building a new routine, and that routine is you know every morning exercise. Um, it's a routine I used to be on, um, and it, not like every morning, but like at least three times a week. But now it's like a set, like if I'm not doing strength training, I'm going to go for a walk. So there are things that I put in place to help build a routine. And what happens is there are ancillary things to this routine. I'm getting good at waking up early, coming down, stretching, working out, getting up early, doing my normal morning routine, which might be uh, most days just to give a snapshot into my morning, I will wake up, 
I will go meditate. I will generally journal or maybe pull oracle cards. That's my thing. This makes me feel good, makes me get ready for the day. Um, sometimes I stretch as well. Generally, I'll do that before meditation, but it's it's that's like the, the first bit of the morning. Then I get the dogs ready, bring them outside. Uh, I make the feed them. I get the stuff set up for uh, morning juice and empty the dishwasher from the night before. And then I go, uh, you know, clean up everything, make the bed. And then at that point, I might have a cup of coffee or I might wait and that's the point where I could go for a walk. Now, it might seem like, well, that's a lot to just go for a walk. But, you know, it's it's like an hour and a half of the morning where I go through and do all these things. And that is my morning routine. And so adding the one thing is good. Like, I can go for a walk. But then there's ancillary things like, oh, I got to remember to take my, because you notice I didn't say it. I didn't take my supplements. I didn't take my protein. I didn't take, like, these other ancillary things to that. Things that are very important to that morning routine, but and they should be a very, um, very automatic type everyday thing. But it's new. And taking supplements isn't new, but there's new types of supplements to take. So I forget it some days. I forget sometimes to take my regular supplements. It's it's takes a while for habits to form. So. I don't beat myself up. I just keep getting back in it. But that's that's how you can be very forgetful in your daily activities. And, um, you know, those are really kind of like the nine symptoms of, of inattentive ADHD. And I was like, oh, great. You know, obviously I checked all those boxes. But I also checked a few of the, the boxes for, for, for the hyperactive impulsive uh, type as well. Uh, this is why everyone's basically like a hybrid type. I haven't met anyone that is just one. Uh, but for, say, like if you do, if we jump down the um, the hybrid type, and this is just so you can get a good overview of this too. Uh, so fidgeting with the hands and the feet, squirming around, shifting constantly. Anyone that knows me knows that is me. Um, always like fidgeting or snapping my fingers, twiddling my hands and just tapping my feet and never comfortable sitting still <laughs> um the leaving your seat com constantly when you're expected to remain seated that's not me that's not in me um if somebody says you have to sit here forever i might squirm and sit in my seat and fidget a little but i will sit in that seat until the the sun comes up uh running around restless <sighs> i don't check that box but i do check that box it's a uh, very interesting um but I check that box in when I start doing things around the house. If I don't have a to-do list, if I don't have that list of things to, to go by, I will just literally just restlessly go around, do little things of everything and not get anything done. So it can be a problem, but six, seven times out of 10, it won't be. Um, Having difficulty playing or engaging in leisurely activities quietly. Not me. Um, if given the choice, I would happily sit there and like play a game with no volume on and very, very t like quiet music in the background or just in headphones. 
and I would just sit there and you would never know I was there. The only thing you would hear is probably the clacking of the keyboard and mouse. I don't like loud noises. I hate, I hate things that are loud, um, disruptive. I mean, obviously sensory problems tend to do that. Like, but I can go to a concert, things like that. Fine. I know what I'm in for. I, I kind of understand, prepare myself for that. But in daily life, I hate, I hate noise. I hate loud, obnoxious noises. I hate noises. I hate when the TV is too loud. I hate a lot of stuff. Um, I've gotten to a point now where even like my sound machine for sleeping is becoming too much. I wear earplugs now to sleep um, because it's too much noise and I like it quiet. Um, Another checklist on on the hyperactive impulsive types uh, appears to be on the go constantly or constantly doing something. That's that's me. Uh, Talk successively. I have a podcast for a reason. It's an outlet for me to talk. So yeah, uh, blurts out the answers before <laughs> questions have been completed. I'm sorry. I do that a lot. Um, has difficulty waiting uh, their turn. Yes, but that's the impulsivity control issue. Plus if I don't get that information out, it's going to be gone. That's just how that happens. And I apologize for that. Uh, interrupting others, uh, butting into conversations, games, etc. I, I try really hard not to do that, but I, sometimes I get really excited, and that's what happens. Now, all that is to say, uh, it's like an overview of ADHD, and um, my the the shock, the aha moment of being diagnosed with severe inattentive uh, ADHD was kind of. Um, Oh my God, how did no one notice that all these boxes were ticked (laughs) my entire life? But that also turned into, well, now I get to live my life properly. Um, You know, I I think, I think the, the hard part too is, and I, I tell people this all the time is we are not our diagnosis. Very, very important. However, our diagnosis is a, kind of like a, a snapshot or a, a window into our personality and, and what, what we are. Um, and I, I say that in, in, the, in the nicest way of like, we're, we're not the diagnosis. We're not, we're not ADHD, but there are things that are in the ADHD thing that is, is tough. And I talk about this in the book, of course, this is under, you know, the, my diagnosis section of the book, right? I go over everything and I, and I do want to go over it with you. So when you have ADHD, there are other things of, you know, I hate calling them disorders, but they are, um, they kind of mess up things. Uh, RSD is a big one. Um, rejection sensitive, uh, rejection sensitive dysphoria. And it's basically extreme emotional sensitivity, uh, and even like pain and, and, and like physical, uh, responses to the perception, the, just the mere perception that you've been criticized or rejected by anyone that you care about. And it's something as I've grown older now, since my diagnosis, and my diagnosis was only three and a half years ago now, but it, it's something that as I, I've gotten into it more, um, I noticed that it is truly 
especially those that care that you care about. So for me, like I get the highest forms of RSD when, when it's with my wife, because that is the person I care about most. So when you have these things and you feel like, great, uh, you know, I am being rejected or I am, uh, being criticized by my wife, but really what's happening is not that it's just how my brain is reacting to that. Um, and that's really a hard pill to swallow because you're like, wait, so they're not attacking me. They're not, uh, criticizing me. They're not rejecting me. This is actually just something that I'm perceiving is happening. Um, you add that into like the, even the sense of like falling short on a task. Like for me, like book sales or how far my podcast is reaching or just even other people's expectations of me. Like there's so much stuff that falls into RSD and uh, the reaction can be physical. It can be, you know, it is emotional, but it's a very physical reaction. And the hardest part of that is to learn how to get through it. And obviously that's kind of why I wrote the book is to help mitigate a lot of, a lot of that, excuse me. Um, another big one is emotional dysregulation, which that, that one's, that one's, um, uh, really funny just because it's just not being able to regulate or modulate your emotions. So it's, it's like, uh, instantly going to a 10 on any scale. And that's not even just like, um, not even just like, oh, I perceived me being attacked, so I'm going to get defensive and instantly go to a 10 and get really defensive. It could even be on, on the other side of things where, like, joy. <laughs> you can be, you get really giddy and super happy about something, and it's, you know, if you step back and actually examine what you're getting giddy about, you're like, dude, it's okay, you just got an email. You don't have to, like, jump around and start screaming. But sometimes that happens. Um, you know, when you, uh, when you're a kid, there's things like, um, I would have to look for the notes for my, um, book, but you have like, uh, ODD and DMDD, which is like, uh, positional defiant disorder when you're a kid is like getting physically aggressive and then disruptive mood dysregulation disorder lots of disorder which makes sense because uh order is very hard and <laughs> organizational skills are, are rough um yeah it, it's there's and of course um a, a big big thing with adhds not just you know obviously depression anxiety bring tons of joy into a lot of people with ADHD's life you know the amount uh, that's why I said in in the beginning about the generalized anxiety disorder. I always feel it's hand in hand with ADHD, but uh, it can there can also be depression. It, they always come hand in hand. Super fun, and of course I was t mentioning my sensory processing disorder SPD. Uh, so sensory overload, sensory stimulation, just things like bright lights, loud noises sticky fingers, stuff on your feet. Like some people are like, I can't wear socks ever. Some people are like, I have to wear socks at all times. It sounds strange, but it, it can 
the spectrum on the sensory overload and stimulation is is huge um you know i i i mention all this because when you put it all together it it affects every single point every little part of your life and i and i do mean that like every single little aspect of your life will have one of these things interjecting and that's when you have to learn these tools and you know I wrote the book as not not a, a guidebook to help other people, but that's what ended up being at one point. You know, I, I looked at it as this is what I did my entire life, and this is and after my diagnosis, I, I it was kind of like honing the blade. Like, okay, I started by doing these things. I had to do lists. I had journals of some sort i use sticky notes sometimes i did little things here and there that worked i kind of started doing meditation but after my diagnosis i said okay well now how can i really get these things to work with me so i sharpened and honed the blade to a fine edge and like these are the things that work for me the best and those things i put out into the world for other people to hear and you know that's that's why those tools are so important so when I do feel part, you know, moments of overwhelm, I know I can sit back and think about like, okay, well, I just have to think about my breath, do a little box breathing and take time. And then if I do get into a situation where I feel a little lost or confused or, or just out of sorts, I know I could sit down and meditate or sit down or just like step back and be mindful of the moment. I know I can get organized by doing these to-do lists in the way that I do them. I know I can get organized in picking the the few ways to do journaling because there's tons of ways to write and do a journal and there's my way. And my ways are there's a couple of journaling types in things that are very simple. It's all just those old marble comp composition notebooks. I use them because I don't need super fancy stuff to do a journal. I just need to get through and get my thoughts in and get my ideas uh, together in, in a place where I can remember them. And I, I, I always specify how important it is to physically write it because you, you're, you make a connection with your brain when you're physically writing it. Uh, sometimes, yes, I, I do write it in a Google Doc. That's where I started my book. And you can build off of that when you're ready for it. But here's the fun part is I still will take some of that stuff I write down in a Google Doc and put it into a journal and write it down by hand because it just reinforces whatever I was trying to do. But, you know, that that is really the the big reason why I have the tools. And when these things that are all part of ADHD impact me in some way in my life, I, I have these tools to fall back down, you know, back on. And it's important to me. It's important to uh, those around me too, that I have these tools because it lets me be productive. It lets me get through, it lets me thrive. It lets me go forward. And I'm not saying like, like, Oh, well, I was diagnosed at 39. I was instantly was able to do this. This is new in the last year. I have to be very, very clear about that. In the last year, I honed these tools to a point, obviously to write a book about it, but also to help me thrive with ADHD. I was able to write a book 
I was able to keep going. I was able to rebrand everything to fall in line with the book and create this podcast uh, on a platform that, and on a platform that will give voice to other people that have, you know, a neurodivergent mind. You know, I, I have stuck with it and continue to push forward. You know, like there's more things coming, but I'm not getting discouraged and I'm not putting it down and I'm not going to abandon it. Like I found the things that I need to do and I found the things I like doing and now I found a way to combine them. But that's, that's the main thing is no matter the impact ADHD has on my, my life, I have a way to navigate through it and to navigate the neurodivergence to help me get to the other side and thrive with my ADHD. So it's just a reminder of, you know, for everyone out there that you are not alone. I will say that to the day I die, you are not alone. Um, I know there's somebody out there listening to this that has never talked to anyone about their struggles, but might've felt some small kinship with some of the things that I've gone through. And some people are just, you know, they're afraid to speak up, but you don't have to be afraid. You, you can, you can speak up. It's okay to speak up because you're not alone. You'll be surprised how many people are out there are like that. So, you know, I just kind of wanted to get that out there today and let you know that, you know, you're not alone. And especially if you're out there and you are struggling like, like me and not just inattentive, just ADHD in general, please just message me, please uh, on any platform, you know where to find me, just check the show notes. You'll, you'll find me someplace. <laughs> uh, I do have a support group for, uh, the tools for navigating neurodivergence uh, support group. It's, it's actually, it's one of those places that is, it's, it's my place to, I'm not going to say hide, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's my place to kind of like a let loose. You know, I might share some memes there, but just whatever thoughts are on my mind. And there's, there's a few people there, but we all have something in common, uh, whether uh, we're all either neurodivergent or, spouses of those that are neurodivergent there's uh, a small group of us there and i try to just post whenever i i have the feeling um it's not an everyday thing i don't i don't like getting spammy but i do like to post memes when they really hit me right uh so be sure to look for that it's in the show notes um tools for navigating neurodivergence is out there on Amazon, uh, you can pick up hardcover, paperback, and uh, it, is uh, it is available on Kindle. Um, if you have Kindle Unlimited, I believe it is still free till the end of the year on Kindle Unlimited, so definitely get that. Um, if you don't have Kindle Unlimited, I know it will be going on sale for Black Friday, Cyber Monday for $0.99 cents instead of the standard six ninety nine, which is always cool. Um, what else do I have going on? You know, this podcast, wherever you're listening to it right now, just take a moment to leave a little review, click a little thumbs up, five stars. There, there's so many different platforms. Uh, I listen to everything on Spotify. I know some people listen to everything on Apple Podcasts. Some people just listen on YouTube. Um, wherever you're listening to, they probably have a rating system. And if you rate, you know, five stars, thumbs up, whatever the highest rating is and leave a little comment about the podcast. It helps me immensely. So please do that and uh, look forward to uh, my next episode. Um, I will have more solo episodes coming up. 
uh, generally they do release on Tuesdays. Uh, on Thursday, we have our big guest episodes. Um, I know the guest this week is, I am not sure, uh, because I'm not sure when this episode's going up, so don't even pay attention to that. Uh, but just keep listening, because every Thursday I have a new guest, and they have incredible stories about their struggles and how they triumphed and navigated through their neurodivergence. So thank you all for listening. And until the next one, just remember you are not alone.